Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash epicfails. That's epic with a K. I'm Eric Slater, and this is Epic Fails of History. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is... Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. Giving up is the only sure way to fail. Gina Showalter. Today I'm joined by Lieutenant Commander Bill Goss, a retired Navy pilot, keynote speaker, and author of the book The Luckiest Unlucky Man Alive. Hi, how you doing, Eric? Doing well, doing well. Uh, Bill was gracious enough to invite me over to his place. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because I think your story is fascinating. It's a great example of perseverance and how epic fails are often the beginning and not the end. Thank you. I, I believe that some of the greatest successes in life started out with epic failures. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and in your in your own life, you've uh, survived a number of close calls, uh, car accidents, a plane crash, and cancer, to name a few. That's correct. And uh, you are really, truly talking to the luckiest, unlucky man alive right now. Your story is also very relatable as someone who often feels like I've lucked out on a number of occasions, despite Murphy's Law. So you've experienced things firsthand that I've only ever written about, uh, submarines, fighter jets, nuclear warheads. What can you tell us about some of your time in the Navy? My time in the Navy was uh, was really remarkable. My mother was a travel agent, so I grew up in New Jersey, and my mother was always bringing home brochures of all these places all over the world. And I said to myself, someday I'm going to go to all those places, but I had no money. I was working as a garbage man. I was uh, from a large Irish Catholic family, six kids. And uh, so I had to figure out how I was going to do that, strategize, and, and some of it involved luck and some some of it involved unlucky things. But I did travel to all those places all over the world I wanted to go to. Yeah, definitely. You never gave up on your dream. You just went for it. it sounds like. I never, no, never gave up on the dream, did go for it, um, but was sidelined dramatically many, many times. While you were in the Navy, you were a pilot, and if I'm not mistaken, you flew a P-3 Orion, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, at first, uh, I went to University of Arizona for one year. I was an underwater, uh, underground dynamiter in a copper mine while going to college uh, all Saturday and Sunday long. And uh, and then after that, after I had a cave in and almost died, I enlisted in the Navy and I built underwater bombs, underwater weapons designed to take out aircraft carriers and nuclear submarines and and uh, very sophisticated high explosives. I did that for two years, and then I got out of the Navy, and I went to college at Rutgers on the GI Bill, and then after that is when I started the Navy pilot program. Wow, that's awesome. That's quite an adventure, it sounds like. It was, and as an enlisted guy, I lived in Scotland for six months, which was absolutely fantastic. I went to Loch Ness looking for the Loch Ness Monster. (laughs) I went all over Wales and London, and it was just terrific, and then I also lived in Italy for six months, and then I spent time in California, in Long Beach and, and L.A., 
So in, uh, in two years' time in the Navy, I was all over the place. And then I finally had some money for college yeah. uh, on the GI Bill after I got out of that two-year enlistment. And uh, with a lot of maturing travel, and, and I was now a worldly person. Uh, to a degree. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that changes your perspective, right? Like uh, just being other places, seeing other cultures and all that. Like, uh, Absolutely. And uh, I particularly I visited North Africa, and when I saw the poverty in North Africa, it changed my perspective dramatically. Also, uh, I observed some extreme poverty in the Philippines, which was just really remarkable to me as well just seeing all these in a in a taxi going down the road in the middle of the night and seeing all these things along the street these piles and then all of a sudden stopping at a stop stoplight and having one of these piles wake up jump up and it was a six-year-old boy and he looked right at me and he said help me and then the taxi sped away and i realized all these piles were just little children sleeping on the side of the road without parents middle of the night was very very sad yeah, and that's that, pretty horrible. that that makes me feel like a very lucky person anybody born in america ought to consider themselves extremely lucky that they weren't born under those kinds of circumstances totally agreed totally agreed so uh tell me more about uh, your time on the uss carl vinson that it was an aircraft carrier that's correct i was on a non-nuclear aircraft carrier for a little while as an enlisted guy called the uss ranger out of san diego oh Uh, i gotcha but then later on after i was a navy pilot they sent me to be the assistant navigator on a nuclear aircraft carrier which was the uss carl vinson and that was based out of uh, naval air station oakland the the san francisco bay area so i used to navigate the ship out under the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, wow. Go do a deployment for months and months and then come back in through the Golden Gate Bridge. And the big earthquake struck when we were there and we had to go yeah. We had to go under the Oakland Bay Bridge also and that had pancaked. So we actually had to lower our masts just to get back home again. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, and uh, seeing airplane, you know, jet accidents on the ship. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's people. It's hard to imagine. It's, People think that a nuclear aircraft carrier is this giant, lumbering, 1,100-foot-long, 100,000-ton <laughs> ship, and it is Those that. things can book it. <laughs> they can book it. Uh, unbelievably fast. The acceleration is incredible, yeah. and they can turn on a dime, and oh, it's yeah. astounding, the performance of these things. And then they've got almost 100 jet aircraft on board. It's just the most incredible experience being on a nuclear aircraft carrier. I would imagine. Um, and... It sounds like an insane amount of responsibility, too, as the navigator of one of these things. It is an insane <laughs> amount of it is an insane amount of responsibility. And I had been in an airplane crash a few years earlier. Right. I can guarantee you I did not want to crash an aircraft carrier <laughs> after going through what I went through in an airplane crash. It's understandable. <laughs> but also I had been on a spent some time on a nuclear submarine in the Mediterranean Ocean, the, the SSN whale. Oh, for yeah. I was on there for a week to to learn the other side of what I did because I flew a P-3 Orion, which was a Navy spy plane. Okay. And I was a spy spying on Russia, and the Russians were spies spying on us. And, and so all this stuff about Russian spies I'm pretty familiar with. And I did <laughs> hold a top-secret clearance. And all wow. that was fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. I've always been fascinated by the uh, Cold War, and you pretty much lived it, it sounds like. 
I did live through the Cold War. I'm just very glad that it didn't turn into a hot war because I'm yeah. right, in the, right in the middle of that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, from what I understand, just from the research I've done, is there was a lot of close calls along the way. There were a lot of close calls along the way, and um, yeah, that's about all I'm going to say. Of course, yeah, yeah, it's probably classified. <laughs> I, I did, I did see uh, off the coast of Barbados while flying this P3 Orion, two thousand miles off the coast of Barbados. I did see nuclear warheads coming in from outer space. They went right by the window of my plane, and yeah. then they then they hit the ocean below. At, a, at about 20 times the speed of sound. That's nuts. And it, and it is nuts. And, <laughs> and obviously they they were test missile nuclear warheads or MIRVs, multiply independently targeted reentry vehicles. Wow. And uh, but I so I saw what I and what I learned <laughs> from that was I saw these streaks across the windshield were with these MIRVs coming in. And you didn't you didn't know about this ahead of no, time. No, I, <laughs> or, I, did, I knew all about this. Oh, okay. I had a scientist on. I was going to say <laughs> we were we were measuring how precisely they hit a place in the middle of the ocean. Oh. They were within seven yards, and they'd been launched. Wow. They'd been launched by George Bush Senior. Yeah. A half an hour earlier from a submarine thousands of miles away. Wow, but that's the incredible. Is, the crazy thing is, I saw these warheads coming in, yeah. and I said to myself, you know, it looks like. A shooting star, and then it hits, and then if it's active, it detonates. So if you see every time you see a shooting star coming at you, just give that a moment stop because it could be a Merv coming in. <laughs> yeah, it looks just, just like a shooting star. You never know. No, never. And there's probably nothing you can do about it at that point, right? <laughs> you can bend over and and kiss your <laughs> behind goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, say your prayers. Um. So, if I remember correctly, I think you mentioned your uh, was it your grandfather that was a World War One pilot? Yes, my my grandfather Charles Dacey uh, was in World War One. He went into the pilot program. He went to ground school at Princeton University. Graduated from there with his best friend. That's impressive. And uh, and they both went out to Texas to fly the Jenny in 1918, which was only 15 years after the Wright brothers. Yeah. First, uh, first flew, which you wrote about fantastically in your first book, the about Thank the Wright you. brothers. It's a, a wonderful job written to really attract younger people to fantastic history. The Wright brothers the story goal. is a totally, totally remarkable. It changed the way the world is by introducing the world to airplanes. And it is, it is kind of funny how fast things changed after that. You know, they. Right they completely changed the world and it's it's also remarkable how close they came to not succeeding you know and Various. every every step of the way you know they had something go wrong but they didn't give up they kept at it right. they uh went back to the drawing board and uh you know the the world is different because of it right and they were unusual they were unusual guys they both might have been characterized as having asperger's <laughs> yeah without they, a doubt but uh but they were spectacularly smart guys yeah. And I actually did fly in and out of, of Kitty Hawk in a in a plane to to see where they landed. And my son ejected wow. out of a F eighteen Super Hornet thirty miles off the coast of wow. Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, just uh, just a few years ago, and he survived. And well, that's and, good. Yeah, yeah, wow, it's very good. So the that whole sounds Wright, like a story. The whole Wright brother experience. Yeah. You did a great. I I, I read the the monster. Well, thank you. The monster biography on them, which you obviously read in order to write your book. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Highly recommended to anybody. 
Yeah. My grandfather uh, flew uh, an airplane 15 years after them. He was going through flight school with his best friend in Texas. Yeah. And his best friend went into a spin, and they had no idea how to recover from a spin back then. That's awful. Um, where you actually have to push the nose forward to mm. break out of the spin, and they they were just pulling the stick back, which aggravates the spin. Yeah. So his best friend from his hometown was killed in a plane crash with him in, in, in Army Air Corps signal pilot training. My grandfather had to take his best friend's casket home to Massachusetts, where they, Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, where yeah. they both lived together, and... Uh, and it was just a real sad situation. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's and, pretty tragic. And then World War One ended, and they said to my grandfather, uh, we don't need you anymore. And so he never did. He soloed and everything in Texas, but he yeah. never did get his, his wings. But I remember, and this is real important, related to the great book you wrote, um, I remember saying to my grandfather, hey, Pop, why didn't you continue flying? <laughs> you would have retired as like a senior TWA pilot. Yeah. You know, living like a king. And and he looked at me, and this was before I had even thought about it becoming a Navy pilot myself or my son, obviously. Yeah. But um, my grandfather said, he called me Billy, and he said, Billy, there was no future in it. And I was like saying to myself, I'm 16 years old, my grandfather's <laughs> saying, there was no future in aviation. That sounded, and he was a really smart guy. It made no sense at all. Yeah. Later on, after my own airplane crash and other things, I came to realize what my grandfather meant was there was no future in it for him because yeah. he was going to end up dead because it was so dangerous flying airplanes in 1918. Oh, yeah, especially at that time. Like, that, they were brand new. They were still figuring it out. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a, a miracle, you know. Uh, that they were even able to land. Yeah, and now landing on Eric, my, now my son has talked, he's a landing signal officer, an LSO on it. That's one of the things he does on, a, on nuclear aircraft carriers. He yeah. talks the brand new pilots down to their first carrier landing, and he told me that he's talked probably roughly eighteen to 20,000 yeah. pilots down to touchdowns on a nuclear aircraft carrier. That sounds pretty nerve-wracking. Yeah, and, and he's just like it's becomes it's 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 no longer that nerve-wracking for him until he has a really bad student coming in because oh. if they strike the back of the aircraft carrier, it's a disaster for the student, but it could take out lots of people on the deck of the oh. aircraft carrier. Yeah, it's it called is. a ramp strike, and that's what they fear is mm. a ramp strike. That's understandable. Dear listeners, the Epic Fails of History podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All four of my Epic Fails books are now available on Audible, including The Wright Brothers, Nosediving into History. However, they also have David McCullough's book on The Wright Brothers, which I actually used heavily while researching my version of the story. It's a fascinating read if you want to delve in a little further. To download your free audiobook today, Go to audibletrial.com slash epicfails with a K. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash E-P-I-K fails for your free audiobook. So I remember you telling me, uh, we, so we first met at, uh, the first book signing I did with Ben Thompson. Um, you, apparently had found uh, one of my articles which was on alexander the great 
And you mentioned that you were actually in the movie that Oliver Stone did, um, Alexander. Um, I'm, I'd love to hear more about that. This is. <laughs> Yes, that 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 is a uh, that's all true. You wrote a, a one that was about Alexander the Great. I was invited by my by my friend, a movie producer, to be in the movie. So I read several books on it. You might have read one of those books. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I actually was just blogging at that time, um, but I referenced uh, a few books, and one of them was Alexander the Great Failure. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because no and Alexander the Great was a total wild man. He really was. Total, he really was total total wild yeah. man, and. Uh, just it, it was remarkable being in that movie and meeting Oliver Stone and and uh, I was kind of in a fight scene, a pushing and shoving scene with uh, Colin Farrell who played Alexander the Great. Angelina Jolie played his mother. Yeah. And, uh, Val Kilmer played his father, the King. Yeah. And so I got to meet all these interesting people and and it was fun. And that was shot in Cambodia, and I was in China on a on a business trip in China with my brother and a and a friend. And so my friend, my movie producer buddy, said, "Hey, you're you're in China. Come over to Vietnam. I'm doing this movie." And I said, <laughs> "Just okay. like that. Just like that." And wow. And what I think he says, Bill, whatever I come up with this insane idea, yeah. you do it. And he said, <laughs> "He said you're so reliable. You yeah. will do it." You always got to say yes right. to opportunities, you right? Say yes, and yeah. and um, and that's the, how you got to where you are today. I think. Well, the real epic failure yeah. is saying no. To many things that you should have said yes to. Yeah. That is the true epic failure of most people's lives. All they had to do was say yes or say even maybe, but people are too quick to say the words no. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, you know, I always try to be like 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 you said, I always try to be open to opportunities and uh you know, it's it's awesome meeting someone like you, uh, who's been there you know and he you have the experience you know you've uh you're a good inspiration you know well thank you and uh for you know i am 64 years old now talking to a person uh half my age and uh i'm you know i'm happy to inspire someone like you who actually needs so little inspiration <laughs> well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> but um but there's but i do have boy girl twins that are millennials my son's a navy pilot uh, and then my daughter uh, is a communications expert fantastic kids and and in talking to you I get a sense that I'm almost talking with them, though they're they're more wise to my game than you oh, are. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, so something I ask of everyone on the podcast is, uh, what do you think is one of the most epic fails in all of history? Do you have an opinion on that? You know, being my age and being a part of the Cold War, yeah, and, and I and I didn't used to be a student of history, but now I try to read a book a week, and I and I read a great amount about nature, about. Yeah. Uh, spiritual things and history and and i i do like reading books written by serious people yeah and definitely and so from all these books that i've read over the last 40 or 50 years an epic failure would have been to not stop adolf hitler earlier in in the game yeah definitely and and if we are to if we are to learn anything when we see so, someone with the come up with the tendencies of Adolf Hitler yeah um 
we have to stop that person sooner and and I am absolutely not making any reference to politics today I'm just of course of course from a with the military bias I have having done been in the Navy from 1974 until year 2000 the you can stop a whole lot of hard hardship for millions of people sooner if you just have the foresight and vision and historical perspective to say no we've seen this before we're not going to see this again yeah definitely well bill thank you so much for uh having me over thank you for being on the podcast and um you know uh, thank you for your service I appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, if anybody goes to Amazon.com and looks up my book, The Luckiest Unlucky Man Alive, or another book I wrote that was published by Simon & Schuster titled There's a Flying Squirrel in My Coffee, yeah, uh, you'll you'll see my books, and I, and I hope they inspire you. Uh, it's, it's all real stuff. and uh, And the most important thing in life is to try to have as much fun as you can without hurting people. And to extend that fun out to your family and your friends and everybody you meet. But there's, you're the luckiest people who are living in modern day America are living a life 99.999 times better than the 100 billion people that have walked planet Earth over the last 100,000 years. You have extraordinarily gifted to live this life. Don't be sour about it at all. Stay lucky, Eric. One of my favorite lines from Bill's book comes right after he's hit by a car, and while he's recovering in the hospital, he then finds out he has cancer. But at no point does he throw in the towel, despite how grim things look. He says, My goal now was to not only survive cancer, but to thrive in spite of it. When I was first putting this episode together, I was planning on giving a shout out to a friend of the community who was also fighting cancer. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but I hope that he hears this anyway. JP was a loving father and a fellow nerd. He was a man of conviction, had an amazing sense of humor, and was taken from us far too soon. I wish I had gotten to know him a little bit better in the short time I knew him, but one of my favorite things about him was that he wasn't afraid to speak his mind and to challenge others' preconceived notions. Our thoughts are with his family in this unbearably trying time. In honor of JP, I wanted to implore my listeners to consider donating to the Cancer Research Institute or the American Cancer Society. There's even local programs where you can volunteer to give patients a ride to treatment. There's a lot of amazing programs out there, and every little bit really does help make a difference. As always, thank you for listening. You can find more episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, BeyondPod, and Podbean. Chris and I love hearing your feedback, whether it's questions, comments, corrections, or even hate mail. And if you want it read on the show, use the hashtag EpicFailsPodcast. You can message us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just search for Epic Fails of History with a K. Oh, and while you're at it, give us five stars on iTunes. Well, that's it for this episode, but we've got more random tales of fail coming your way next time with more special guests, so stay tuned to Epic Fails of History.
So today I'm joined by Lieutenant Commander Bill Ross. He's a retired Navy pilot. Bill Keaton. Goss. Bill, Bill Goss. Let me start over. <laughs> 